Would you pray with me? Father, as we approach your word today, we ask in the name of Jesus that your spirit would continue to move in this room and upon our hearts and our lives, that you would open this word to us in a way that we've never seen, and that we would understand your will and your purpose and your way. Father, as we meet today, there are other churches in Gillette and Camel County and around the, the state, and Father, in, the, in this uh, in this nation that we live in, but Father, right now specifically, we pray for the church that you have raised up in Gillette. No matter where they're at, what building, what pastor, Father, we lift them to you and we ask in the name of Jesus that by the power of your Spirit, you would be found mighty and show forth your love through your body in this town. We thank you, ask your blessing upon the time that we spend together, and we worship you in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 3. We've read this before, but it's so good I want to read it again. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom... He appointed to be heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Think about that for a minute. It was through Jesus Christ that God created the world. In the beginning was the Word. And what John said, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The last few weeks we've been learning about the image of God and we've established that we were made in his image. We didn't... uh, crawl out of the ooze, and we didn't uh, evolve from monkeys or anything like that, but we had a very specific creation. God chose to make man in His image and His likeness. Out of all the created creatures, all the things in the world, even the angels themselves, God created us, man, to bear His image and be in His likeness. Now, I don't know if that's settled in with us yet. That we fully understand that. And I don't know as, as, as a people that we will really fully ever understand it until we get to heaven and be in the presence of the Lord and things are revealed. As believers, we're renewed back by that act of purification of sins. By the Spirit of God to that original likeness or some semblance of it. Because the one thing that man had that the animal kingdom did not have... We were given a spirit, God's spirit. He breathed into us. And we could fellowship with him and we could speak to him and we could walk with him and talk with him. And likewise, he did with us the very same thing. When man fell, that changed. There was a barrier, a gulf, if you will, set between man and his creator. Not being deterred, 
the Lord knew the way, spoke, and made that way for us to come back to Him. On this week, Christendom celebrates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. We call it Palm Sunday. I loved all the, I don't know if those are electric palms or what those were, but they, they looked really good today. It's a good visual. Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Did you ever wonder why Jesus came in on a donkey? Because the kings of Israel were forbidden to ride horses. And so the kings of Israel, when they, were, uh, when they came into the city and when they were anointed and everything, they rode on a donkey. And that visual is not lost on the, on the Pharisees and the priests of the day. When Jesus enters into Jerusalem, he's riding on a donkey, the thing that is reserved for the king of Israel. Now, we don't think too much about that because we don't have kings and things like that, but understand that the Bible calls Jesus the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is our king. We have to remember that just before he entered Jerusalem on that day, across the Kidron Valley, which separated uh, Jerusalem from uh, um, the Mount of Olives, he had raised Lazarus from the dead just a few days earlier. You remember he waited to, um, to show up for three days. And um, when he did show up, the family was not happy with him. Go back and read the story. But Jesus, on the way, told his disciples, he said, let's go wake Lazarus up. And the disciples said, well, he's dead. And Jesus said, no, he sleeps. And in uh, wording that's, um, I just love it. He said that this was for the glory of God that this, that this man died. And he'll be raised from the dead for that very thing. Now, this very thing that Jesus did across the Kidron Valley in Bethany, this little town that was right on top of there, it changed everything because there were people there that watched Lazarus raised from the dead and there were people that believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and there were people, the Bible says, that were angry. Can you imagine? I mean, if we... (laughs) If you came to a funeral and... God miraculously raised that person person from the dead. What would your reaction be? Some people might be excited. The family would be. Some people would run for the door screaming. Right? Because we react to that differently. I'm thinking that if I watched that, and knowing that Lazarus had been dead more than three days, and when Jesus called his name and he comes forth and he walks out, Wow. But it's amazing that in the middle of miracles, people see those things two different ways. They either respond to God or they reject Him. Because they don't understand. And our hearts, saints, have to be so that when God does things, even the small things, we see it and we rejoice in it. And we're happy for it. Even if we don't understand it. Even if it may scare us a little bit. But this very same Jesus who raised that man from the dead now enters Jerusalem and the people there had heard about this great miracle. And they were so excited. Now remember, 
they wanted to overthrow the Roman government. They wanted their Messiah to be a king that would conquer. And Jesus, the Bible says, and, and we read that in Isaiah chapter 53. He was a suffering servant. He came to die. Humbly. As Jesus entered the city, people laid their coats and their palm branches before him. And they were quoting Zechariah 9.9. We don't have to read that. Let's read Luke 19.41-44. And when he drew near the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day that the things that make for peace... But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon you because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know the time of your visitation. Now, in this series on the image of God, we're talking about how we bear that image and we look like Jesus. The scriptures say that Jesus was the express, exact image of God on the earth. And it's amazing as you go through the Gospels and you read the Gospels how people viewed Jesus, how they looked at him. What did they say? Some said he was the son of God. Some said that he was Elijah. You remember Jesus asked the question of Peter, who do you say I am? Peter rightly answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And remember Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but the Spirit of God has revealed that. The only way that we're going to know about Jesus, the only way we're going to understand even a portion of what goes on around us and understand the time of our visitation, when Jesus comes and dwells, is if we see Him, know Him, understand Him only by His Spirit. And saints, all these people that saw Jesus coming, they saw a man. I want you to think about that. They saw, but they didn't see. They saw someone that they wanted to see. They saw this Messiah or the king or this person that they'd heard had raised somebody from the dead and they knew that their time had come. On the way into the city, On the way into the city, Jesus cries over Jerusalem. He looks at the city and, and, I mean, if you go back through the Old Testament, that's where all the prophets died. Anybody that came and shared the good news of God or corrected the people or brought anything of God, they were put to death in that city. And so as Jesus enters and all these people are praising Him, saints, within one week, we understand That those very same people, because Jesus didn't fit their narrative, put Jesus to death. People are fickle. Christians, we can be fickle if Jesus does not fit our idea or our understanding of what we think that he should be. Saints, when Jesus prophesies over this city, he was not only the Son of God, he was not only the Messiah... He was also a prophet, and he spoke over that city things that had already been spoken. He said, "This, you will be torn down, everything in you, the whole thing. And, and saints, within about 35 years, 35 years, the Roman army overran Jerusalem and tore every single stone down. So much so that there was nothing left that you can even tell there was a city there. Why? 
because they did not, it says, know the time of their visitation. Did they see the Father or did they see a man? Did they see Jesus or did they see what they wanted to see? You see, image bearers are just that. They are similar, and in our cases, there, is, there should be a similarity. We should look like, we should act like, we should speak like the Spirit of the living God who dwells within us. Our hope, saints, is not in this world. Our things will be taken from us. All that we believe in will be challenged and is even now being challenged. Are we like those people? Do we see but do we not see? Because we're focused on the man and not the works that bore witness to the Father. The works that Jesus did showed his Father's identity, his love, his power, his forgiveness, and ultimately, not just to the people of, the, of the Israel, but to the world. And we are here today as beneficiaries of that. 2,000 years ago, this very same man who was the Son of God, who the Bible says was the express radiant glory, the exact imprint of God's nature, entered Jerusalem and people did not see God. Now to the Christian mind, that is so hard to even fathom because our desire, and I don't believe you're here today by accident, your desire is to see God and to know Him and to know that He exists. But yet, all of these people wanted that very same thing, but they couldn't see Him. Saints, we have something that they didn't. When Jesus died on the cross, when He went into the grave, and when He rose again, that, that drama today, whew, I was about ready to go home. That was it. But because He died on the cross, because He rose again, because the grave could not hold Him any longer, death was arrested and it was put to death. And he seated him, or God seated him at the right hand of the Father. Isn't that what it says? After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Do you know who gets to sit at the right hand of God? The one who has done everything God has asked. The one through power and humility and victory surrendered himself to God's will and gave his life for us, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That very same son coming into Jerusalem, crying over the city, watching the people lay these palm trees and their clothes in front of him, knowing full well that within one week, these very same people would be rejecting him. In John chapter 12, 44 through 46, Jesus cries out to the people and said, Whoever believes in me, in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Saints, if you're here today and you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if it's, a, uh, if it's what God has revealed to you, He has removed that darkness from your eyes and from your light. I mean, from your life. Because before I was saved, I walked in darkness. I lived in darkness. And I thought it was okay. 
I didn't know until the light came on. Jesus said this, whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. John 1, 1 through 5 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the, what? Light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If Christ is in you, darkness has been lifted, you now have light. You can see. How many of you like stumbling through a room in darkness? Saints... Before I was saved, I stumbled through life in darkness, thinking that I was okay. I thought it was normal. But when Jesus came into my life, I saw things differently. I hear things differently. People have a general idea of who they think God is based upon stories they've heard, Sunday school possibly, They've read in a book something about him. Some don't believe at all because the enemy has blinded their eyes and they're in darkness. In our days, there are those who believe that they're God. They can exchange the truth of, a God, of God for a lie. We read that last week in Romans chapter 1. What they know, they believe they can change. I mean, think about this. What they know, they believe they can change and fit with how they feel. And you may accept, or excuse me, you must accept their lie and their perception and even bow down to their delusional heresy. It comes in the form in our day of climate, body type, education, or just a few of those things. And if you don't accept my narrative about myself and who I am and where I want to go to the bathroom... You're a heretic. Make no mistake about it, saints. Anyone who thinks that they can change who they are with their mind believes that they're God. And that's a falsity. These things have always been, saints. We're in a world that sees what it wants to see, not knowing that the truth has always been before them, not understanding the day of the visitation. And saints, in this world, in this time, and in this place, where we sit today, do you understand, and do I understand, the day of our visitation? Or is it just another day at church? Saints, this can't be lost on us. This is not something that we just do every Sunday and it's a habit and we get done. We go, we are literally in the presence of the living God. We are literally called to be a part of His work and His life. We have been taken from the kingdom of darkness and we have been brought into His kingdom of light. We were in death, now we're in life. And saints, this is not a light thing. Reality. We... See, people who live in reality struggle with people that don't. I mean, we, we look at people that struggle with, their, with what they think is a reality. 
And they, they've pushed against the truth of things that have always been. And we struggle with that. But it doesn't mean we don't love and we don't care. Because remember, we were there. All of us were in that place of darkness at one time. See, Jesus came and performed miracles. And those miracles spoke to the people that God was real. And that God was with him. It wasn't enough for some. They still rejected him. I, mean, I still go back to the people who stood there and watched Lazarus come out of the tomb, wrapped in, in, in grave clothes. Watched him kind of hobble out. There were people there that were angry. Angry that Jesus raised him from the dead and they did not believe. Saints, even the disciples missed it. This thing has to be revealed by the Spirit to them. And for whatever reason, some people don't respond to that Spirit. Some people do. And saints, by the, by the grace of God, you have responded to that Spirit, even today in coming to this place. We're at all different places of understanding that. Within the church, not everybody's mature. We're still learning. We're walking. But we are learning to hear His Spirit. We're learning to walk in freedom. We're learning to understand what the light really is. And saints, that's what a part of this process that we do as we come and we fellowship with each other. The other things that we do as a church together is because we believe in the one who saved us and the one who has filled us. In John chapter 14, 5 through 11, even the disciples kind of struggled with this. this it's amazing. I mean, think about this. These guys walked with him for three and a half years. They watched him raise the dead. They watched him... Uh, Grow out withered hands. Cleanse lepers. They watched him preach phenomenal messages. Some of them were on the mount when uh, Moses and Elijah came to visit Jesus. And, there was, and, and he was transfigured. The light was there. They heard the thunder and the lightning. And they heard the voice of God in that. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yet they still didn't understand. Do you feel like them sometimes? I do. But the only way that we can fully understand this, and Jesus kind of shares this here, is if he died, went to the cross, went to the grave, rose, seated at the right hand of the Father, and then sent the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that we understand. It's only because of his Spirit that we have any truth in our lives at all. By His Spirit, we know these things. In John chapter 14, 5 through 11, Thomas said to, to Jesus, Lord, we do not where you're going. You know, he told him, he said, I'm, I'm going away and I'm prepare a place for you. He told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just before this, go back and read it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. You ever... Sorry, I, I don't know how Jesus didn't go... I, I really don't. I, sorry, I'm, 
I'm kind of dramatic on some of this because I'm I would be going, what? Jesus said to him, "Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father?" Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Do you remember Jesus talking to the the Pharisees that didn't believe? He was so angry with them. He said, Sodom and Gomorrah, are going to rise up against you because of the great works that were done in them. They're, they, and we, we have this idea of Sodom and Gomorrah and all these things that went on there, the great works there. What, what we're talking about when we see Jesus, do we see the Son of God or do we see the works of God? How do we see Him? Do we understand fully the visitation, the day of His visitation in our lives? See, Philip had walked with him for three and a half years and still didn't understand. But what did Jesus take it back to? He said, the works that I've done. On Wednesday nights, we've been going through the book of James, and he's talking about the works. If you have faith, show me your works. The works of God show that God is in us. The works of God in Jesus spoke to the world around him. Literally, the image of God. Isn't that what we read? That he was the express image of God. He showed God's power, his love, his resurrection power, all of those things. Yet people still don't believe. Saints, by the grace of God, in this room today, we are blessed, fortunate, chosen, however you want to put it, that God, by his grace and his mercy, extended to us His light so that we could see. See, I'm telling you what, I sat through a lot of sermons like this as a kid because I had to go to church. And I I remember sitting there going, oh, you know, I want to go home and ride my horse or I want to go home and whatever. I remember sitting there Week after week after week after week, and I was so angry. But I'm going to tell you what. At least my parents had me there. And I know it was pretty frustrating for them. I remember, oh, my gosh. Sorry, I had a flashback. i got to stop for a minute. We all sat in a, in a pew. We didn't have children's church in those days. You sat, and you were quiet. But if you were ever out of line, and usually the you know the the father, my father sat the most egregious individual that caused the most problems next to him, or right next to mom. And if you did something wrong, he would just reach over and grab you by the ear. Here, that was the beginning of the death sentence. I'm surprised I even have an ear today. But by God's grace, 
the darkness was gone. My prayer for each of us here today, for all of us, because sometimes, you know, we, we just think we're okay. We don't realize we're in darkness until we literally understand the light of Jesus Christ. I was that way for years, and then suddenly it's there. Jesus reminded them that the works were the witness along with the words that they were the testimony that was rejected by those who did not believe or were lied to by the enemy. Jesus cautioned his disciples that rejection of that witness and the rejection of his words, works would continue even through his disciples, us. I want to finish with John chapter 15, verse 22. Jesus says to the disciples, he said, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But they, have no, they now have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now that they have seen... and hated both me and my Father, they rejected the works... But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But when the Helper comes, listen to this, this is it. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. How how do we bear that witness, saints? How did Jesus bear witness that he was the Son of God? By the works that he did. The life that he lived. The words that he spoke. I mean, he literally shares, if, if I hadn't come and done these works in their midst, they would have been, you know, they would have just continued. But because I came and I did these works and they rejected me and they hated me, they will be judged. And saints, I don't want anybody here to ever be judged that way. And my prayer and my hope for each of us this day is that the darkness that is possibly in our life, if we don't know Jesus, would be taken away. Jesus said, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. Remember, Jesus had to go, had to be seated at the right hand, and then he sent the Helper. Remember, he told the disciples, it's imperative for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the Helper cannot come. He will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Remember he told the disciples, the things that I do and greater things than these will you do. Saints, people see their visual. We all are. We like pretty things. We like wise things. We love, you know, we hear all of our senses, the soul area of us. It, it, we just, we're controlled by that. And we have to be careful that that isn't the only thing that controls us. But as Christians, our spirit that God has placed within us shows us the good and encourages us with life. And saints, in this room here today, as you pray and as you seek the Lord, what has He done in your life? What miracles have you seen? What things are He is, is he doing and what is he going to do? Because it was the works of Jesus that the people rejected. 
And saints, we can't be those people. I, I, boy, I hope, I hope that this is not confusing to you. That's, it's not my desire. I, I just pray that, that the, the words that Jesus used as he's coming into Jerusalem, they didn't understand the day of the visitation when Jesus came. Do we fully understand that? Why are you here today? Who spoke to you to come? I didn't. Wasn't your wife? Wasn't your mother or your father? This is the Spirit of the living God calling you today to be in this place. To hear His word. Not my words. His words. You are the church of the living God. Called by His name. Bought. By his blood. You bear his image in you. Do you realize that? Do I realize that? And if he is in us, the witness that we have to the world is that we will walk as he walked. The things that he did, we will do. That is literally the witness that the Holy Spirit has through us. So that people in us, our as we walk, we literally are the image. And I know it's, I've got to be very careful with this. But for whatever reason, God has chosen to use us. The weakness of the flesh to show forth his greatness to the world. Saints, you are that cup that's being poured out. You are that cup that he fills. Still good to be saved? All right, we're going to take communion. I want you to think about as we get ready to do this. After Jesus comes into Jerusalem, they were getting ready to sell. We can have the people come forward here to serve. They were getting ready to celebrate the Passover. Passover was a meal that God had given the, the, the Jews the very day they came out of Egypt. And from that day, every year at the same time, they celebrated this meal. When Jesus took the disciples after uh, this whole week and sat them down, he shares with them something. In Luke chapter 22, verse 14, And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And they said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of that fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. And he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after he had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Just think about that. Jesus takes this meal that they that had been for thousands of years carried and celebrated on, a, on the same day of, every month, of, of that month every year, which they called the Passover, where the death angel passed over the children of Israel and killed all of the firstborn. That very meal, Jesus stands with his disciples 
and he changes it. He expounds upon it. Literally, the, if, if, and I know this is... It's, the Jews carried the body of Christ with them and carried the crucifixion of, God, of Christ with them for thousands of years and didn't understand it until that night when Jesus sat with them and said, this is my body. This bread that has been eaten for thousands of years and has and is broken. There were th- three pieces of bread on the on the table. And there was and they they were said to, to represent um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the and the head of the household always reached in the middle and pulled that middle piece of bread out and broke it. Do you know who I believe that those three pieces of bread represent? Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's just me. The Jews would never, could never tell you why they always pulled Isaac out and broke him. But we know Jesus took that piece of bread. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And there was a cup on the table that was always reserved on that Passover table for the Messiah. It was never drank out of. Wine was poured in it. Jesus took that cup and he picked that cup up and he said, this cup represents my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you do it. So today as we come forward and we celebrate this meal, be mindful that when you take it, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I know that some people may not fully understand that, that the world outside does not understand how death can, can help us. Jesus died so that we didn't have to. And he left us this meal to remind us of that very thing. We show forth his death. When we take this meal, we're in, we're in fellowship with each other. The Apostle Paul warns us not to take it unadvisedly or lightly. It's not a, just a, a snack in the middle of church. It literally represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ, which was broken and his blood was shed from the cross. For 2,000 years, the church has done this. Still good to be saved? All right. I want you to take just a minute. Ready yourselves. Pray if you need to. And then come forward. Take the meal. As you go back to your seat, we'll have you um, wait and we'll take it together.